0: Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. We hit the reset button. Eight games down, nine games to go. It's sort of the halfway point of the season. So what needs to happen in our minds for the second half to be as good as the first half? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 488, and it starts now.
1: Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai. Proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals and by Arizona Cardinals podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com podcasts. Going for Hopkins. One handed catch and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. This was
0: a pretty cool email to wake up to more than 20 million people mj watched the cardinals and packers on Thursday night football that's across all platforms over the air digital you name it 20.4 was the average audience according to the NFL the third highest Thursday night football viewership in the history of the Fox package trailing only saints cowboys in 2018 and Viking Saints on Christmas Day last year.
1: And you look at the uh, the uh, Vikings-Saints Christmas Day, 20.5, so close. And then you go back to 2018, 22 million, and that would have been the Cowboys and the Vikings. So, I mean, they're right there in the team picture. I wonder what the numbers were in the final five minutes in the game. <laughs> It was. From a fantasy standpoint and Uh, then from a gambling standpoint.
0: I forgot about the fantasy aspect. You kind of lose sight of that. Aaron
1: Rodgers. Kyler Murray. Aaron Jones. D-Hop. A.J. Green. I mean, there was a lot of fantasy players in that game. This team did not play well enough to win that ball game on Thursday night. But had an opportunity at the end.
0: And that's what makes it so frustrating because you're this close to being 8-0 as opposed to 7-1 and one and being among four teams with one loss in the NFC. That's the frustrating part of all of this, yet big picture, things are still very good for the Arizona Cardinals with nine games to go. What you do hope is that mistakes are corrected
1: moving forward,
0: that this does not happen again.
1: That's exactly what I thought. Okay, this should not happen the rest of the season. And – Clearly, I mean, every for the most part, I mean, the team is still putting up points. Maybe it's not as, you know, 30 to 35. We can go through the rankings. They're ranked fourth across the board in a lot of different categories. Defensively, they're ranked right up there. It's one game. But I'm saying I agree with you. That could be a blessing in disguise down the road to where everyone's on the same page. And the fact is, you know, minus three, um, we had a miscommunication in the secondary with Buddha. And Byron Murphy on the Randall Cobb catch. We know the Cardinals had a hard time stopping the run. Obviously, no Corey Peters in there and Rashad Lawrence. But at the end of the game, they still had a chance.
0: You get the fourth down stop. You got the crowd behind you. You start your own one-yard line. It could be one of those defining moments in the season and in the career of Kyla Murray. You take over and drive 99 yards for the go-ahead-slash-game-winning touchdown to maintain that undefeated record. It just didn't play out like we all hope that Hollywood ending
1: for Thursday night football. If they win that game, the narrative is 100% different. Kyler Murray out Aaron Rodgers, okay, and he's also back in the MVP conversation. I'm not saying he's not, but all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers is in that conversation. It goes week to week. Depend- Derek Henry was in that conversation, you know. Josh Allen's kind of tailed off a little bit. T- Tom Brady, you know, losing a couple games. Mahomes isn't up there. So, yeah, I mean, the narrative would have been completely different. He, he went toe-to-toe. And you know, they did enough to go ninety four yards, in this case it could have been ninety nine yards. It, the narrative on Friday would Kyler Murray is the MVP and the Cardinals are right, like, no.
0: And narratives, as we know, Bird Gang change very, very quickly in the National Football League. Case in point, what happened on Sunday to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Darlings of the NFL the week prior, you go into Baltimore, beat the Ravens, and then one week later you lose to Mike White and the Jets. Ooh. Exactly. Mike White making his first career start throws for over 400 yards and now he can run for mayor in New York City and win. That's how things change quickly in the national football. And they're thinking
1: wow he invested a second overall pick in (laughs) Zach Wilson. When you hire a new coach and Joe Joe Douglas. How about Cooper Rush? Well I was going to bring that up because there's a possibility
0: now. We saw Mike White Cooper Rush, Trevor Simeon, Sunday was the day of the backup quarterback. Like a law firm. And potentially, could that continue into this week with Kyler Murray and potentially Colt McCoy getting the start on Sunday against the 49ers?
1: Interesting. Glazier on on, on the air said he definitely has an ankle sprain, okay? a medical ankle sprain. Now, there were reports from, I think, Josh Weinfitz. He left the stadium in a walking boot. And that's more to take pressure off there. that That's just, hey, go home and get some rest. We'll check back with you over the weekend or Monday. After he says that, and he said one to three games, and then all of a sudden Darren – Well, he said, he said one two, to three weeks. One to three weeks, yeah. sorry. Okay. Let's be clear. So Darren writes a story, and all of a sudden he comes back, well, if he has a good practice, he can play this week. <laughs>
0: So the report by Jay Glazer on the Fox pregame, one to three week type of sprained ankle. That's where his exact words. And we heard Kingsbury on Friday. Kyler was sore. Murray said he got rolled up on, limped off the field. And as you said, Josh Weinfuss noted that Murray left the stadium in a walking boot. But if you say one to three weeks, well, Thursday night, One week is this Thursday slash Friday. So, (laughs) look, this is something that we're all going to be following all week long. Kingsbury addresses the media on Monday and Wednesday and Friday. He'll get asked about it daily. Practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. All eyes are going to be on number one. The good news is here, one, ten days between games, Thursday to this coming Sunday. Number two, Kyler is yet to miss a ball game. Number three, if he does, and the Cardinals choose to play this cautiously, like the Dallas Cowboys sitting Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush leads them to a win on the road at Minnesota, you do have, I think, a very capable backup in Colt McCoy, a veteran who is still, I think, learning this offense, but probably a lot more familiar than when he first got here, but someone that I think... We talked about in the off season. you need someone for just to be prepared for a two-, three-, four-week stretch in the event something happens to your starter. And I think Colt McCoy gave the Cardinals the best option. He's here. And, look, let's hope that doesn't happen. That scenario doesn't play out. Yet at the same time, as you look big picture, is it about week nine or is it about this entire season and looking at – December and January. That's those are conversations that we can have. But bottom line, it's the front office and coaching staff and the training staff that will have the conversations that really matter.
1: And you can make the same case for DeAndre Hopkins. True. Now we know he doesn't practice a lot, and he plays in in this time around. I mean, clearly the, the ankle was an issue and, until he went back in there. I guess in the fourth quarter. But you know, when's the injury report going to come out? Is he out there? Um, like you said, he hasn't missed games. And, and Colt McCoy, to me, in a pinch, he can run this offense. They have enough weapons. And if they get Rodney Hudson back and they decide maybe Max Garcia is your right guard, um, all of a sudden, and you get Corey Peters and, and Richard uh, Lawrence back, all of a sudden you, you've added some pieces to where you think you he, he's not going to have to throw the ball 40 times a game. Um, and he does like to run a little bit, but, I, again, we could see more under center. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but it, we're, we're preparing if something transpires. They have to look at this as long-term. I mean, one game, and then you, you, eventually they'll get to their bye week and then everyone gets rested up again. Um, but this is the NFL, and when you only have one loss, you can't afford to just say, hey, we'll worry about next week. Now, again, the whole idea is to make sure he stays healthy. We know the last couple of years it's affected them down the stretch. You look at where
0: this team sits right now after week eight. They are seven and one. Last season, after week eight, five and two. Don't forget the bye week happened in week eight, and everyone talked about how that finished. Three and six, and you end up eight and eight. I don't see last season repeating itself this season, but until things change. That's still going to be hanging over this ball club. But as you look at the NFC, now in the NFC West, Cardinals, Rams, head and shoulders above the 49ers and Seahawks. 49ers 3-4, and four, Seahawks 3-5. and five. But within the NFC, Packers, Cardinals, Cowboys, Buccaneers, Rams, Saints, Panthers. That's one through seven and why these games are so important and why we might look back at Thursday night football and say, yeah, that was a tough loss and a key loss is because of head-to-head tiebreakers. Cardinals don't win the division. Well, they're a five-seed at worst. You win the division, now all of a sudden it's one, two, three, or four, and then the potential of either a first-round bye or even having a home playoff game that first week or that wild card weekend. So, yes, it's week nine. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but this is the first day of November, and I think these are conversations that we can have and start speculating about because the Cardinals have put themselves in this position.
1: I don't have the Packers schedule in front of me, so I probably shouldn't make this comment, but I, I have a hard time thinking they're going to run the table and go 15-1. and one. <laughs> I, From what we've seen so far, I tend to agree with you. And again, I, I sh before I speak I should have looked at their schedule, but I kinda have an idea with division games. Um we know that the the Lions are struggling. Uh the Bears, I mean, they're trying to find a quarterback for the future. And the Vikings, you know, they they've been up and down. So it it's they're gonna run away with that division. Don't there's no doubt in my mind. But I, I just think maybe the top team is fourteen and two, uh, maybe it's thirteen and three. Um but clearly, Green Bay right now would have the tiebreaker. But we still have half the season to go. The Cardinals still have what nine games? Correct. Yeah. So, and and they can go six and three, and all of a sudden you're looking at double digits. You know, five and four. You want to be playing your best football though in November, going into December.
0: Here is the Packers schedule. You, you asked, I answer. At the Chiefs this weekend. Home to the Seahawks. At the Vikings home to the Rams, home to the Bears, at the Ravens, home to the Browns, host the Vikings, at the Lions. That's not an easy schedule, including this week against the Chiefs because, yeah, they're 3-4, and four, but I mean, that's still, to me, a very scary team. And then you have to host the Seahawks. Who knows what's going on with Seattle and you Russell You said the Wilson. Rams. And they've got the Rams. That is at Lambeau Field. And then you do travel to Baltimore if you're the Packers.
1: See, and that tells me just, you know, we can look at the Cardinals playing uh, the Vikings, even though, you know, they missed a kick, but they won that game. Then you look at Jacksonville. And then you look at the Houston Texans. So the Cardinals, they, they won the games they're supposed to. Looks like Green Bay may have had a favorable schedule in the first part, and now it's going to go a little more difficult in the second half.
0: Well, you can kind of say the same thing about the Rams because that, to me, is the more interesting aspects of this because, like I said, you don't win your division, you're a five-seed at worst because the division winners take the first four seeds If you can get one of those first four seeds, and yes, you want that first round bye with that number one seed, but you look at what the Rams have, and it begins this week, hosting the Titans on Sunday Night Football. Tennessee is much better than what the Cardinals saw in week one, and it goes back to our conversation, when do you face these teams? Is it better to get them early or late? get them early before they have a chance to get on a roll, or do you get them late when potential injuries, i.e., Derrick Henry and the reports that he might be lost for a good chunk of the rest of the regular season. But Rams and Titans on Sunday night football, and yes, we're rooting for Tennessee. And then the Rams are at San Francisco. They have to go to Lambeau Field. They do host the Jaguars. And then that Monday night matchup on December 13th, Rams at Cardinals. That is going to be huge because if you can sweep the Rams, now all of a sudden you've got a two-game cushion if once again things play out like we think they might, but the Rams schedule is not easy at all.
1: no, and and we can go through the Cardinals schedule. I, you know, I think the Cardinals will be favored in the majority of their games. Um, you know, I guess we'll wait and see. Obviously, they got to play the Seahawks twice, and that's a division game very familiar with each other. they got to play Russell Wilson at least two times when he returns. My thing is when you start mentioning four or five, there's a huge difference. You win your division, you're hosting a playoff game, guaranteed. Yes. Now, the 4-5 seed would play each other. Correct. I mean, everything you built up, that's the last thing you want to do is go on the road in the first round. But, I mean, again, top four seed. Let's not get greedy here. I'll, I'll take a you know a top four seed, win your division. But it's going to be a two-arm race with them and the Rams, and that's why it's so important to take care of business of teams you're supposed to beat, and then you get teed up with the Rams on Monday Night Football. Um, But, again, I I don't see the Cardinals running the table.
0: Well, before that Rams game on Monday nights at San Francisco, that's the matchup this week. You host the Panthers on the road at Seattle Is Russell Wilson back. Then you enjoy your bye week before going to Chicago before hosting the Rams on Monday night football. Again, all winnable ball games, but when you talk about division matchups in November and December – even that's including this week with the 49ers and the fact that it's in San Francisco at Levi's Stadium. Division games, uh, they can be a toss-up, especially late in the regular season. Should we say
1: this? Throughout the records. <laughs> For division <laughs> matchups, yeah. I mean, they're so familiar with each other. I mean, Garoppolo, unless he gets hurt, he's the guy. I mean, they they need to win. That's what they're trying to do, and they're, they're trying to make a run in the second half of the season. But I do believe on paper the Cardinals should be favored in, in a lot of these games. Now, some of our road games, uh, again, they won four road games already. We talk about scratching out, you know, six to seven home wins. You win four road games. I mean, all of a sudden you're at 11, 12. So, again, one week at a time. Take care of the Niners this week. But win the games you're supposed to.
0: Well, just go back to the first matchup with San Francisco, the toughest test to date as far as within a win. Seventeen to ten. I know we'll get much more detailed. Into the 49ers as the week progresses but the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo played so well on Sunday beating the Bears in Chicago leaves no mistake about it that he is going to be the quarterback this week which should help the Cardinals in a preparation standpoint because they faced Trey Lance in the first meeting and they weren't quite sure what to expect you can have a game plan but his athleticism and the ability to run the football really gave the Cardinals a lot of problems
1: and what did Vance Joseph say? I prefer a pocket passer. Yes. Now, Aaron Rodgers runs along a little bit more. You know, you try to keep him in the pocket, but he's so dynamic. He can you know, he can extend plays. He can throw across his body. But instead of going against the unknown, they're going against Grappling, and you know what I like to say, he'll throw you one. Um, the Cardinals have been effective against him. I know you look at the records since he's been there. He's got a really good win-loss record. Um, we know they went there last year in week one and won that game. Uh, they won. Uh, they didn't win it with. The, he wasn't even the quarterback. It was uh, C.J. Beathard uh, in week 16 last year. So um, Kyler Murray said after that game, they have the best defensive line in football. He didn't mention the Rams. He didn't mention the Titans. And that's because they've been able to get to him. Now, D. Ford, he, was he out? He was, uh, he was. He was out. Okay.
0: And they've also lost Javon Kinlaw to season-ending knee surgery. Yeah, so. But they still
1: have Bosa, and they still have that, that interior push. Fred Warner, you know how I feel about him. Mosey's getting better. Debo Samuel's a mismatch. I mean, people. Can, I mean, he, you see his touchdown, seventy-eight yards. I mean, he's just again. Cardinals got the weapons, but getting Rodney Hudson back, settling that right guard spot down. Give it another week to hop to get healthy and possibly Murray. And and I feel like the Cardinals will go in there. I don't know if they'll score thirty points. It was seventeen ten last time. Hey, just get the win.
0: Absolutely. Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, as we kind of hit the reset on this season. It's not the exact midway point. Halftime is. Ha-
1: well, well, when we get to halftime against the 49 that's the halfway season. But we, we can't sit there and, and, and pause
0: and say, hey, we got to do a show because we want to look back and look forward. So Well, well choose- let's just take
1: it in quarters. I know Cl- Kingsbury said he does looking at it in quarters, let's go, you know, September, October, and now we're in November.
0: Yeah, eight games, (laughs) two months, and the Cardinals at 7-1, I think everyone will take it 10 times out of 10 times. There's not many that expected the Cardinals to be in this position, but they are. So the question becomes how do they maintain this spot and keep things going and understanding there are going to be bumps in the road and maybe even another loss or two, and I think – Injuries certainly uh, factor in a lot of this. You brought up the offensive line, Rodney Hudson, Max Garcia. Both will try to practice this week on Wednesday. At least that was the indication from head coach Cliff Kingsbury on Friday. You get those two back. What is going on with Justin Murray? He's still on injury reserve with a back issue. Those three pieces, if they come back healthy, then all of a sudden I feel much better about the offensive line, and that's nothing against Sean Harlow and Josh Jones, but there has been some pressure up the middle because of Hudson's absence that Kyler Murray is taking more hits than he should and more than necessary. So get that upside down you that you always talk about, MJ. I'll feel much better about this offense even if DeAndre Hopkins is less than 100%. But the offensive line to me and what this team does forward as far as injuries or making a change, that needs to be figured out this week.
1: Couldn't agree more. And, you know, I'm not giving up on Josh Jones. It's just, you know, it's, he's going through a little bit of struggle. And, and, and when we say this, I mean, it's two or three pressures, but it's when Kyle's getting hit, he, he played 71 snaps in the game. So I'm sure he graded out maybe better in, in run, run blocking than he did in pass protection. It's just one of those plays where you see him getting pushed back and then Murray's getting sacked. And, again, it, it was one or two times. So, um, But that means that Harlow will be your backup, which is – normally his position, and, if, you know, between now, Justin Murray and Josh Jones, they'll be your backups. And so all of a sudden, you have some depth, then, you know, looking at the depth chart and going, who's this guy? How long has he been here? We know Harlow's been here. And, you know, so you got really three guys that can help, Harlow, Murray, and Josh Jones if Max Garcia is your right guard. So, again, Hudson will settle things down in the middle. I'd love to
0: know as far as, you know, you can look at pro football focus grades, but, you know, how does the coaching staff, Sean Kukler, Brian Natkin, how do they look at the offensive line as far as the center position and right guard? Because as we see it, we only notice it when things break down, when Kyler Murray is pressured, hit, sacked. We're like, well, that's not good. Well, to your point. 70 plus plays and we're singling out two or three of those 70 plus plays well percentage wise that's a great game yet can you make it to where it's a hundred percent and just to the fact that Kyler Murray is not scrambling more than he's needed he can buy time in the pocket we'd like to see that but the fact that he gets pressured out of the pocket that's what I'd like to see avoided
1: agree and Along those lines, though, I mean, that's the strength of this team. Going into the season, I thought it was the offensive line, and, and they've been tested, which is based on injuries. And I thought the D-line, now obviously losing J.J. Watt, you know, the other guys going to have to step up, but they're comfortable there. Yeah, I mean, the trade deadline is tomorrow. You know, I look at right guard, but if these guys are coming back, I don't see the Cardinals making a trade. Uh it's a somebody called for Andy Isabella. I still think they want him on the roster for depth. If anything happens to one of the receivers, Antoine Wesley has to become a Hop or AJ Green. If something happens to Rondell Moore or Christian Kirk, I know that you know. I know the fan base is down on him, but they still believe in him from a speed standpoint. It's more about between, what's between the ears. He did flash after he goes off a of COVID in training camp. Unfortunately, he should have played in more preseason games. So I don't. I again. I I looked at right guard and I'm like. There's got to be somebody out there. But if they're getting these guys back, I don't know how much, you know, with the salary cap, and if you want to make a move, you can move money around. So I don't want to say they won't do anything. i sure they'll listen, but I don't see them making a – big would be wrong. Can they get a trade where a guy comes in here and adds depth? That's possible. But, again, people value your draft picks. But if they're going all in and, you know, you got to give up a six or a seven, we'll just have to wait and see. But I don't, I don't know if they're going to be active because of what they – got coming back on the offensive line
0: all right let's flip it defensive line okay as we continue here on cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals we know that jj watt is looking for a second opinion getting more information on that injured shoulder how injured is it how devastating of an injury is it surgery according to kingsbury is going to happen this week but what kind of surgery how long is he going to be out He is going to be placed on injured reserve, and he is going to miss a lot of time. So let's figure out, no J.J. Watt, what happens. You do have Corey Peters available, activated off the reserve COVID-19 list on Friday. He's missed the past three games, so you get him back. Hopefully, Rashard Lawrence is coming back after a two-game absence with a calf injury. So you look from that standpoint, there are six guys, Jordan Phillips, Zach Allen, Rashard Lawrence, Michael Dogby, Corey Peters, and Lucky fotu No particular order, but those are the six names, and you see a lot of three-down linemen, maybe two-down linemen. Vance Joseph, what does he do from a defensive line standpoint, and do they need to add more depth at that position?
1: I was told that they feel comfortable with what they have right now. Did you mention Josh Morrow?
0: I did not, just because he's – and I'm glad you did. He was elevated – from the practice squad of the active roster. I wonder if he gets signed permanently, but that is depth on the
1: practice squad at your disposal. And I like the way Jordan Phillips is playing. I like the way that Zach Allen's playing. You know, he's going to have to be the, the J.J. Watt of that D-line. Peters, to me, yes, he may not fill up the stat sheet, but he's a big body in the middle, and he's tough to move. And you and start getting other – and Dogby, I like his strength. I was told, Craig, that as of right now – they're, they they like what they have, but obviously injuries do occur. But I think the wild card is Josh Morrill just towards a standpoint. He can do a lot of different things. He can play on the outside, set the edge. He can rush the passer. He knows the system. They know what he can, his upside. So if they didn't have Morrill, then, yes, I would think they would look out. But I was told on Friday – we feel comfortable with that group right now with everyone being coming back being healthy.
0: And the key to what you said, he knows the system. Talking about Josh Morrow, you're not bringing in someone that has to learn and might be a little bit slow or to get up the, the street. street not in shape yes so you would like to see someone else so you have that seven man rotation if you will but also vance joseph we've seen him adjust a year ago you lose chandler jones in week five yet at the end of the season the team still had almost 50 sacks i think they were the fourth most overall without their number one pass rusher coach joseph was able to scheme a pass rush and different looks, different packages. Do we see some of that now with the defensive line?
1: Right now the Cardinals are ranked 7th with 20 sacks, ranked 7th. Um you, you look at it, um they're fourth against the pass. Um no, yeah, I mean the, the force fumbles, the passes defense, yeah, I mean that's what that's where I'm encouraged cuz I know Vance doesn't mean you have to dress a uh, seven lineman because the rotation is more five or six. But if he goes to two, three linemen, and then you, you look at some of their sub-package guys like Dennis Gardeck, and, you know, they can bring in some, um, you know, nickel and dime players. But, you know, Vance, he's he, he knows what he has on the roster, and it's a week-to-week proposition how he's going to uh, approach it. So we could see more nickel and dime. Um, but they feel comfortable right now with that r- rotation. And I think that, you know, obviously there's going to be a little bit of a decline just – from having J.J. Watt on the field, number 99. Team's got to respect that. But it's going to allow other guys to kind of, you know, make some plays. And he was freelancing a little bit, and he was able to cover. And maybe these guys will just more stay in their gap where, you know, do your job and we'll stop the run and let the quarterbacks, um, you know, get them off their spot.
0: I'm not going to say – this is what they should do or shouldn't do, but Chandler Jones does have experience with his hand in the dirt. Victor DiMuchegi has experience with his hand in the dirt. It's probably, for Chandler Jones, something he would probably like to avoid. I think he likes to stand up at the line of scrimmage a little bit more. Sometimes we do see it as an outside edge rusher, but you do have guys – as an outside linebacker, if you want to flood the line of scrimmage a little bit with some guys closer to the ball as opposed to maybe far enough away.
1: Yeah, the the way he looks and the weight he lost and how great shape he is, I, I don't know if I want to put him in the hand in the dirt. I mean, I, I it's an option. I'll never say never. Speaking of Chandler Jones, I mean, Craig, I, I was disappointed. Um, no David Bakhtieri out there, you know, proven left tackle, franchise guy. And I know those guys get paid too, but this Jenkins guy, he, he listed him as a guard. I guess he can play all, all across the line. He did a really good job. I, I, and again, it's not the sacks, it's just the pressures, the hurries, and knockdowns or freeing people up. They need more from Chandler Jones. I don't, right now, let's not talk about the contract. I mean, that, then that, they'll be able to evaluate him on the entire season. And they got the franchise tag. I do think they would like to extend him. All that stuff has, you know, right now it's on the, uh, the, you know, the it's not in the at the forefront. It's on the back burner right now. But he needs more impact plays,
0: and that might be the best answer. If there is one guy, I know he's not technically a defensive lineman, but you look at that front seven. If there's one player that needs now to kind of take ownership of this J.J. Watt loss and say, "All right, it's on me," Chandler Jones would be that guy. Now, from a defensive line standpoint. For me, it's Jordan Phillips, Zach Allen, guys that play that position. But we haven't seen or heard from Chandler Jones since week one. Now, he's gotten close. He's affected plays, but he hasn't blown up plays. He hasn't parked his car, if you will, in the backfield a lot of times. And that is something that I think really this second half of the season finished strong. Chandler Jones had a great start. Everyone was like, pay him now, pay him now. But he's, quote-unquote, disappeared. And now the question is, how much did his absence and being away from the game because he was on the reserve COVID-19 list, how much does that affect, uh, affected his play, specifically on Thursday night against the Packers?
1: Yeah, and that, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I will give him the benefit of the doubt. COVID affects different guys. There was a report he lost, lost X amount of pounds. He denied it. Um, we know he came into great shape, but, you know, Covid it can it can be tricky. I I know Kennard really didn't come back from it last year. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald I and mean, it was tough on him too. So, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But here we are. Let's hit the reset button going into the final 9 games. They need to see the Chandler Jones that we've seen over the last couple of years, the body of work. Again, I don't if he gets 10 sacks, great. I just want to see him get to the quarterback, not force fumbles and you know, deflections, and, he's, and he had a deflection. He won one pass deflected in, in, in that game against the Packers. He only had one tackle, and maybe teams are chipping him. Now, I did ask someone, D- do you see the burst? And he said, well, it's h- kind of hard to tell you, Mike, because Aaron Rodgers gets rid of the ball very quickly. So we, we got there's a pluses and minuses here. And when, when you see 55, you're going to run to the other side. So it's a combination, and, it's, and they come in bunches. It's just a matter of time. I'm not down on them. I just know that. Maybe he's putting a lot of pressure on himself to put up these numbers, but also he's a guy that wants to win and get back in the postseason. But I will give him the benefit of the doubt because everyone's different coming off of COVID.
0: Speaking of numbers, as we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The bigger issue for me defensively are these two numbers, 20 and 31. Cardinals rank 20th in rush defense yards per game. 31st, second to last in rushing yards per play, 4.9 yards per play. And this is something that has gone a little bit unnoticed. It gets brought up, but when you're winning, it's like, okay, we need to correct it. They now definitely have an issue on their hands because of what the Packers were able to do, rushing the football, winning first down, keeping the chains moving. This Cardinals rush defense needs to be a heck of a lot better than it has. That's going back to week two against the Vikings. They were a very good week one against Derrick Henry. Um, they've had their moments, but big picture, through eight games, it has not been a very good run defense.
1: Steve Kime on, on uh, Burns and Gamble on Friday said, too much leakage in the secondary. We talk about getting to the second layer. He said, too much leakage. And let's be honest, that was the first game where there were poor tackling across the
0: board and Jordan Hicks mentioned that post game
1: yeah that's the first time because we know how much they work on tackling it's more about technique um you know making sure you're wrapping up uh making sure you're in the right position to make a tackle that was poor tackling in that game that's the first time all year where you could say wow I mean you're, you're gonna miss tackles they get paid and if Aaron Jones is running down your neck okay I'm gonna try to make the tackle but that was the worst game this year when it came to tackling
0: You knew exactly what the Packers were going to do. This is paraphrasing what Hicks had to say post-game. It was nothing different than they weren't expecting or ready for, yet you have to go out and execute, get off blocks, tackle, gang tackle, and that didn't happen Thursday night. Why this has not been a huge focal point is you've been able to take the run away from teams because you've been up by two or three scores to where opposing offenses become one-dimensional. We always hear that. Vance Joseph preaches it. Stop the run. Make them one-dimensional. Well, that's happened in every single game prior to Thursday night against the Green Bay Packers. The offense has helped the defense as far as stopping the run. But at the same time, you can't have A.J. Dillon average almost five yards a carry. Aaron Jones almost four yards a carry. Go back to what Kareem Hunt, Daryl Henderson, James Robinson, Dalvin Cook, what they were able to do against the Cardinals defense at points of the ball game. Yet, because of the offense, the rush defense all of a sudden wasn't as bad because, once again, one-dimensional, and they had to throw the football.
1: And it's going to be difficult for those numbers to go down in the next couple of weeks, just because if a team gets 120 yards, you're still going to see four or five. And you had a great set on Friday. The Cardinals give up 4.5 yards on first down. That's a that's a Vance Joseph down. You know, try to get it in two or three, and then all of a sudden in second and seven. Yeah, that. But I'll say this: when this team is forcing turnovers, you can you can cover for that, and we know that. They haven't. They didn't turn. They didn't force a turnover in this previous game. But for a while, they were forcing turnovers, and they weren't turning the ball over. And that, again, you can go down the field twenty to twenty. But if I can f- avoid you from getting in the uh, touchdown or a field goal, and I get an interception or a fumble, then then all of a sudden you you look at those numbers. Okay, we can live with that. But it's got to get better as you get to the postseason because when you get to December football, whether you're going to Chicago or you know we don't we know they don't have a Lot of uh, cold weather games, but you got to travel with your defense, and you have to be able to run the football, and you have to be able to stop the run. And then, because games are going to get a little bit closer here, you, you, you again, teams kind of figure out how, we have a, they have eight games. They they look at the film and go, okay, we know what they do, but for the Cardinals, I mean, it their strengths going into the season. I still believe, besides the skill position players in Kyler, is the offensive line and defensive line.
0: A lot of what we're talking about here on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai Proud Partner of the Arizona Cardinals is we've talked about all season long, yet the spotlight hasn't shown as bright because it comes in a win. And when you're winning, things kind of get swept aside. You don't really focus too much on it. Now, that's us media fans, but now that first loss is like, all right, well, Hey, what's going on? Why did this happen? Let's make sure it's not a two, three, four game losing streak and this team gets back on the positive side and back in the win column. Now, regardless of what happens with Kyler Murray this week, the Cardinals, again, on paper, are a better team than the 49ers. They're a better team than the Panthers. And I do think they're a better team than the Seahawks with or without Russell Wilson coming up on November 21st. Those are the next three games before the Cardinals hit their bye week. At the 49ers home to the Panthers at the Seahawks. Very winnable ball games. Yet at the same time, you have to execute offensively and defensively.
1: Now, on the other side, uh, I want to say they're fourth overall against the pass.
0: Yes, they're defending it very well.
1: Yeah, and they number one force fumbles 12, number two in uh, fumble recoveries eight. Um interceptions are tied for 12th. Uh, I mean, you're going to give something up, but it's 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 the second layer we've seen throughout the course of these t- other opposing teams' running backs. And when you get to the second layer, it's different. When you can stop them and put them in third and long, that's where that's Vance can style down up the blitzes and stuff. So you're giving a little bit up here. But, again, it, when this team is forcing turnovers and they're able to capitalize on playing complementary football, that's who the Cardinals are.
0: Look, things have gone very well. Through eight games, we just want to make sure that it continues to go very well for this Cardinals team, and not resting on this seven and one start and relaxing because while we've got games in hand, not in the NFC and certainly not in the NFC West.
1: No, and, and clearly I I never thought they were going to go seventeen and zero. This could be a blessing in disguise where you kind of get back to the basics, um, let the guys you know get off for three or four days, again. The models one game at a time, one practice at a time, one game at a time. I believe they got enough leadership in that locker room. They will not, will not look ahead. They have you don't. They don't give out trophies for seven wins.
0: Last point here on Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. This week on Wednesday, the next episode of Cardinals Folktales, 104 yards, victory, and a votes. As we flash way back way before State Farm Stadium, and a look back at that stadium vote, Aeneas Williams's record time fumble return to upset Washington just two days earlier, how much that might have played a factor in that vote passing. Episode 6 of Cardinals Folk Tales available on Wednesday, youtube.com slash Cardinals and original audio podcasts are available by searching Cardinals Folk Tales at your favorite podcast provider. But I very distinctly remember, one, that game, and then what transpired two days later on Tuesday was a very close vote. Very, very close vote. But because of that win, I fully uh, believe that it played a factor in fans, people, citizens' minds on what to do at the polls on Tuesday and why we have State Farm Stadium.
1: No doubt about it. And, you know, between Jake Plummer, Rob Moore – uh, Dave McGinnis, they were going door-to-door on that Saturday before the game. But to me, the story here is obviously the the stadium vote is why we're sitting here today, um, is that Mr. B and Larry Wilson went to the stadium and they measured. The next day. The next day. Because Mr. B was big story when it came to the NFL, and they measured it to make sure it was a record. I, I just think that's fascinating. The fact that the owner will go there instead of sending somebody else, and they get the measuring stick out. Well, the owner and general manager. General I mean, manager. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you two
0: people. Yeah. That typically it's not. It's you know. Yeah. You, you send someone else out, yeah. but to have the owner and the general manager <laughs> at the time sit there and measure, literally measure at Sun Devil Stadium. That is that that is one of those underlying <laughs> stories. Uh, inside of this 104 yards victory and a vote, episode six of Cardinals Folktales, fascinating.
1: It was yeah. like 51 to 49. Yeah,
0: that was a percentage. It was it was very very close. I don't know the exact number, but it was. It yeah. could
1: have gone either way. Yeah. Hey, but I know our former colleague doesn't believe in momentum. <laughs> they had momentum going to the polls, and we'll leave it on that note. <laughs> As we wrap up this edition of Cardinals
0: Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.